0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Risky Behavior, where no subject is off limits. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy a beverage with us as we explore controversial issues and answer your health and wellness-related concerns, ranging from nutrition and exercise to sex and prescription drugs. I'm here with co-host Dr. Shetha Chakraborty, who's a national media risk expert, as seen on CNN, the BBC, Fox News, and more.
1: But don't just think this hour is all science as usual. After four seasons as a regular guest and food scientist on the Dr. Oz Show, Dr. Taylor Wallace, who the Huffington Post calls the nation's premier food and nutrition guru, will help me loosen lips and spill tea with special guests that you won't wanna miss. Quick note to mention that this episode was recorded prior to the COVID lockdown. Restaurants across the US are beginning to open, so we may be past the risk of gaining that dreaded quarantine 19. But this conversation with a clinical dietitian is eye-opening for anyone concerned about healthy eating to ward off the onset of disease states like diabetes. Remember, good habits start at home during lockdown or otherwise.
0: today I am so excited. I have my good friend Toby Amador here. Toby Amador is a registered dietitian. She is also a nutrition expert for Food Network, a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, and an award-winning nutrition scientist. So welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me. You cover so many of the topics that Women of my age range, and we're not going to give away what that is, but... Old. (laughs) Damn it. I have questions about, there's so many things that are being flashed at us all the time, and it's really hard to kind of figure your way out and make some sort of uh, understanding of all of the options that are on the table for women about their body image to make them look better, healthier, glow, you know, that much brighter. Help us break some of this stuff down. Talk to us about... What is out there? Why are we being so um, targeted specifically? And then what do, how do we sift through all the noise?
2: So a lot of it comes with the social media, the growth of the social media. So not only that, they target you because they target a certain age and a certain gender and they look at what you're looking at. And so you get to see, let's say, body images of different people. Either it could be very fit or very thin or very, you know, and that's what society says is beautiful. And that's not necessarily the case.
0: You never realize this as a guy until you come out and you're gay. Mm-hmm. And then you all of a sudden get judged. I have friends that are you know, 35 years old with eight-pack abs. And I, I joke with my mother all the time because we went to the beach and I'm like, I'm the fat friend. And she's like, no, you're not. You're so skinny. Da-da-da. And I show her a picture of all my friends. And my mom goes, oh, my God, you're the fat friend. <laughs> like that. And I'm like, you're on my side. Excuse me. Like that. But you really learn what women go through like when you come out. Because it's very similar in the gay world.
1: I actually think it's women of my age range and gay men that can actually really commiserate on this. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I can't believe I'm about to make a Bravo reference. But there is a Bravo show called Below Deck. And one season, there was one of the stewards. His name was Hosea. And there was a group of gay men that came on and they were the clients on the boat for this particular episode. And they were gorgeous. Every single one of them, like Mm. you just said. And Josiah, who's like one of the most attractive actual cast members, was saying in his interviews in between the scenes how he felt so insecure because of how he was going to be perceived next to these guys. And the whole episode, I thought, did a great job about showcasing the reality of what mental turmoil we can actually really go through whether you're a man or a woman and the reality of it all was it was more mental than anything else do we need more of this kind of narrative to be put out there so that people stop thinking that this you know the supermodels you
2: see is really what is to be expected i absolutely think so i mean you look at something like a kardashian kind of instagram and that's what a lot of people um, they have the most followers. That's the, what people are looking at. Yes, they certainly have given curves a better name. But I, you know, something you look at how, how often do people look, I really think it's a lot of social media has to do with this. And then it also has to do with how, like, you're in a group and you perceive one another as well so you know judgment a lot of judgment and people don't want to be judged i've learned it took me a long time but i've learned that i I just don't i don't care what anyone thinks of me i just want to be happy to my you know for myself and that's what i kind of strive to do
0: i have two things to say about this one I won't ever be on a cruise with a bunch of gay men <laughs> honey, I, I would I would throw one of those bitches over the side by the end of the week. I'm pretty sure <laughs> like, that happened yes, in scenes like men overboard like oh, real no. quick. And two, you know, body image is a real thing. I mean, I yeah. think all of us suffer from it, especially as we get older. And it's something that Who's getting all go old? Through. I'm
1: frozen in time. I'm like frozen too.
0: You're older than I am. (laughs) But you know what? We were really wanting to talk about today. What Toby does that is so interesting to me. She just wrote this great article for Today's Dietitian that was talking about cool sculpting. And it really just resonated with me because I just got back from the dermatologist. And they have a cool sculpting machine. And you know, Kim from The Real Housewives. Y'all know I am a big Real (laughs) Housewives of Atlanta fan. Bravo
1: reference too. And they are not (laughs) in any way related to our show.
0: Well, you know, Kim does cool sculpting. And so I was like sitting there and I'm like, you know, I could lose like five pounds before beach season starts, but you know, I'm on the go and I don't really want to go to the gym as much as my eight pack ab friends. Can I just get so, cool sculpted and no, get rid of these love I'm handles? because I'm going
2: to stop you right there. The cool sculpting is not for weight loss. It is FDA approved, but it's not for weight loss. It's only to get rid of a couple of bulges. Like if you want what's approved um, by the jawline, the thigh, the abdomen, Uh, Your back fat, if you have any, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> I haven't seen that part of you <laughs> as uh, in the hard line. to
1: get spots right the
2: ones yeah, that no uh, matter it's the margaritas. Time, upper, upper arm like women always complain about like upper arms so any of that that's all approved and you don't have to be like to get this you're supposed to be like of about 30 pounds of your n- normal weight you can even okay. be a little bit underweight it's just to get rid of those hard to I guess yeah. those spots that are hard to well you
0: wear. know as you get older and you have seen me in a swimsuit we have had plenty of margaritas in the pool together other. Don't lie. And, you know, I've got the little, like, love handles that you get, like, on your back. They're the most annoying things ever. And I'm just like, I go to the gym. I run. Like, I probably go to the gym four or five days a week. And they just don't go away. And the more and more I get into my late 30s, or, I, uh, they just get harder. Like, You're giving
1: f- away way too I much. Yeah, T-M-I. T-M- M- no, but I'll T-M- say love M- handles. Come on. They're called T-M- love M- handles because they're invo- you need them for love. And it's called, it's called your pouch... Because it's a baby pouch or a food baby. You know, there's like loving ways to view some of our imperfections. We don't have to constantly be
2: putting it down. So I kind of like the reframing. Is that what
0: your new boyfriend told you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, I want to ask you guys something. Do you guys know anyone who's done this? Yes, I do. And how did they feel? Did they tell you the symptoms of like, or, you know, during the procedure, any side effects? They said it was quite painful, but they said that they saw a visible reduction
1: in fat. Mm-hmm. um post
2: procedure and yeah so they definitely see, so what happens is they eat there's two different methods there's the cool sculpting which is cold so they right. freeze the fat cells in that area and then your body naturally gets rid of the dead fat cells or they could do it through heat and that's also approved you know there are a couple of methods that do that um and again it's the same methodology
0: so you know i'm i'm silly and fun but in all seriousness as a scientist how safe is this? I mean, you know, because it seems like if you're freezing fat cells, you know you also have a lot of organs and things like that in there that you, know, you could potentially also affect I mean, if you think about it, your liver is there's a lot of fat in your liver right it's and it's vital o- organ
2: right, but it only does subcutaneously from my understanding okay. like right just by those certain locations okay. that's why those locations are approved. And the science is there. Like, it shows it. however, they're starting to see art. Like, I've, I read recently in a, in a published journal, there was a doctor who actually wrote a paper, and he actually said there are a lot more people coming out saying that they have hardening after the procedure. They have hardening of the areas. That is extremely painful. And then some people even have, like, certain degree burns on them. That is, that's a little scary, right? People need to be made aware that this really isn't just a... A
1: magic bullet—that there are consequences potentially from deciding to undergo this procedure. Do these
2: side effects? How prevalent would you say they are, or do they happen to be more like outliers? Um, First, they thought it was outliers, but now, like I said, they're starting to publish more and more articles. They're finding that there's more side effects that that people realize because what people think is like people don't want liposuction, right? It's more evasive. This is a non-invasive, so they don't have to put you to sleep. You know, you could do it. You walk out after like a half an hour. Um, but yeah, so. It's non-invasive and people are like, ooh, I could do lipo without, but you have to remember you're definitely feeling things during the procedure and then afterwards there's certainly potential for side effects. I'm so
1: curious. Is this the evolution of liposuction? So surgical versus non-invasive ways of treating problem areas. What's the landscape of what the procedures are, and where where were we, and what have we evolved to? Right.
2: So lipo was all the rage probably what 30 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, they stopped. I mean, they still do that. I mean, you see that show on E all the time, right? Botched, and they do something. I don't know. They're always fixing someone. I can't watch it. (laughs) I can't watch it either. And E is also not in any (laughs) way affiliated with our production. <laughs> yeah, no. oh right. my, I can't watch that. Um, yeah, so I think this has come out to be because it's a contraption that's actually FDA approved. That they don't have to put you to sleep, and you're there for, and and it's not one time and you're done. You have to go a couple of times, depending if you have more spots. You're having them treat. You have to go more often.
0: Well, that's actually why I was considering it. I saw it at the dermatologist's office. So you look at a lot of like health-related stuff when you're in our field, and and you kind of wonder. You're like, well, it's FDA approved, which you know, as a scientist, that means there's significant scientific agreement that it's at least somewhat safe. There might be side effects, but. You know, at at least we know it's not going to kill you over dead.
2: Right. And, but you also have to think like body image now comes in. So I'm a registered dietitian. So I don't perform this type of, you know, procedure, but I do think about, you know, why does somebody want to get rid of that little bit of fat? You know, why? Why? Um, what what are their thoughts to because it? Because
0: all their friends have an eight-pack no. abs <laughs> but, but <laughs> and go to the gym two hours a day and eat salad you without dressing. You, but you
2: got to think about it. It's like actually a girlfriend of mine, um, another registered dietitian, she started a hashtag women eating food because mm. to showcase, because women, what are they? They're shown eating like a little salad or an apple or something. Yeah. But she showcases them on the hashtag women eating food, like biting into a huge sandwich. But like really, you know, trying to break societal's like thoughts of how women are eating. They're really enjoying ice cream cones and sandwiches and donuts.
1: Okay. I really appreciate that because despite what Taylor might make fun of me for, I do actually go to the gym almost every single day. You do. You do. And I have a personal trainer. You look great. Thank you. I know nobody can actually see what's going on below the waist, which is fine. more than happy with well, the visuals nobody here. But
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: nobody of my parents are listening to this and so i have a personal trainer who i work with um at least three days a week and i think i've gotten to the point where i'm very happy about my strength and it's a work in progress there's never a space you achieve and you're happy it's a constant work in progress you're constantly looking to better yourself physically right and so I'm but I'm more or less happy with where I am in that process and despite that there's those little problem areas that no matter what exercise I do right. I just can't perfect and when you are really critically evaluating your body from a from the point of view of training yourself and really wanting to just get to the best physical version of yourself, then I can understand why those little tweaks uh, right under the bra on your back or your the arm, the upper arms for women and the love handles that we were talking about, why you would want to target those areas and really just find that perfection that you're already working towards.
2: So as much as I appreciate that, and I I get it, but why not? Have it normalized. Like, I had a couple of kids. I have three kids. So, yeah, my hips got a little bit bigger after that. And, you know, I appreciate it. That's, you know, that's love from the kids that are there. Why not normalize a little bit of broad fat? Why why
1: can't having kids make you look hot? I (laughs) I
2: look hot and I have
1: three kids. definitely (laughs) do.
0: But, you know, one of my, like, really good friends that just had her first baby, she's like, I'm literally breastfeeding this baby till it's, like, five years old because, like, when you breastfeed, it's like you lose so much weight and you look great. You actually great. hold on
2: to so you yeah. definitely lose weight but you the body holds on right to a little bit because it needs that extra fat in right. case you to you know to produce the milk yeah. you don't consume not Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and then you actually when you stop you lose an extra like you lose the rest really? of the like five really. Well, pounds.
0: she, she it, her baby isn't as uh, isn't old enough to for her to stop breastfeeding right, right, right. at this point but Good to
1: know. So I'd love to just turn our conversation towards what really makes you unique from a lot of the food and nutrition experts that we've spoken to um, is that you're a clinical dietitian, which means that you have really looked at people who are in some dire disease states, and you've had to work with a lot of those people who, for them, changing their diet and their lifestyle and their habits is a matter of potentially life or death. I'm thinking about diabetes and how much time you have spent understanding and treating diabetes um, from a dietitian's perspective. My father is early on in the diabetes process, and so I'd love to learn from you, because I know if it impacts me, there's so many listeners out there that have first-degree, second-degree relationships with this disease. We can start there, but please feel free to just talk to us a little bit about the different disease states that you've thought about critically as a clinical dietitian. Yeah, as a
2: clinic I started in... Um, at that time, it was New York Methodist Hospital in Park Slope, Brooklyn, um, and that's where I trained and that's where I worked. Um, but I've worked with, like, I think one of the... Um, store i remember it was um the pediatric icu it was a girl they were having a party i think it was for valentine's day on that you know at that time and she really wanted to participate and eat the candy and i think she even had like sugar free candy but still if you eat so many of them she was in the she ended up in the pediatric icu with diabetes and so we had to like i had to talk to her about how do you manage when everybody's having a party you know even a birthday party and there's candy there Um, so it was, you know, it's really heartfelt when I did it, but I've dealt with also kidney disease, liver disease, um, cancer. Um, I've dealt with even the, and the NICU I used to work at when the babies are born early and they need like a tube fed in their mouth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: people don't realize the impact that nutrition has on some of these chronic disease states.
1: Yeah. And when you think about it, you think of those who haven't treated their bodies correctly, despite all of their doctor's instructions and they've sort of let themselves go and they almost are getting what they deserve. But you just gave some examples of those who really, infants and those who are born with, isn't it diabetes? You could be t-
2: born with diabetes too. Two, yeah. that's right. Well, th- what happens is if actually a mom, a diabetic mom has a child, they a lot of times look like a little sumo wrestler. They could be nine, ten pounds, and so they have to keep them in the you know neonatal unit until they're cleared and they're okay.
1: So for listeners, let's. I remember studying this back when I was actually a pharmaceutical sales rep for Pfizer. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, a long really? time. ago. Yes, I, did not I know sold Norvasc, Caduet, lipitor Viagra. Um, <laughs> really, I was the Viagra <laughs> I girl. That. I know uh, our, uh, now I really like, that. our producer was looking at
0: us like. Our producer was like, it took
1: this many episodes for you to put <laughs> to that come, out there. To bring that out. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but that being said, I used to deal a lot with cardiologists, right, and their patients. Gosh, and no
0: one <laughs> of them guys chase you down the street.
1: <laughs> the Viagra girl. Um, I think it's gone generic now, or is about to, so I'm not nearly as sought Does after as I somebody have Twitter was. handle? I feel like you should get that. <laughs> I actually do know there is a Viagra girl and I actually do know her. Really? Oh my gosh, we digress. So, um, f- but I used to know this, right, because we went through intensive training to understand all of the different disease states that were were the, some of these therapies were relevant for? So mm-hmm. diabetes was one. Can you explain a little bit from the eagle's eye view what the what diabetes one versus two is, and then where what sort of advice is similar
2: across both versus different? Let's just explain the difference in this. Sure. So di- uh, type one diabetes is something you're born with, or you can get up to your early teens, sometimes early twenties, once in a while. Um, and basically um, what happens is you will need insulin because uh, the body cannot get sugar where it's supposed to go into your cells. So you definitely need insulin. You will need insulin shots for your life. Type two, a lot of times what happens is it's because someone's overweight um, and that's what happens to the body. They have a trouble getting the sugar out of their bloodstream. And so they'll either need, if diet doesn't work, and exercise and healthy lifestyle, which is step one, then they'll go to step two, which they'll give them pills. And if that still doesn't help them um, with the blood sugar levels, then they'll start giving them like a combination usually of like insulin and pills or insulin. Depends what the doctor and dietitian feel is the best. But one thing we do have to understand (laughs) with diabetes, you definitely need to eat some sort of carbs. And that's a misconception. People think you don't need carbs, but you actually really need them, but in certain amounts at every meal and snack. Um, And that's in order to help regulate the blood sugar with the medicine usually if you're on that.
0: And you know, I should give a call out, and I did not do this in the intro because Toby has such a long resume, I mean, she's done so much, um, one of her hundreds of cookbooks that she has, you know, she's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, but she has a new cookbook called The Create Your Plate, The Diabetes Cookbook, it is the cookbook of the American Diabetes Association, uh, so for those of you all who are interested in a healthy carb diet. Um, or you know, just a diet that is um, is good for uh, those with pre-diabetes or diabetes. Uh, there you go. It's going to be uh, out soon, right?
2: Yes, yes. It's it's coming out um, in mid March. Okay. So um,
1: so tell us a little bit about what the different recommendations are for those with type one. So do you cover type one and type two?
2: Yeah, because the the recommendations in terms of the food are very similar, are actually the same. Um, you just again with The medication depending if it's a pill or if it's a shot you have to talk to your dietitian or doctor and they'll tell you exactly how much you should eat but when my cookbook the difference between my cookbook and a lot of others is it shows you how to build a plate for a diabetic without having to count your carbs and count your calories and all the recipes are approved by the american diabetes association and has all the you know all the nutrition information the grams of carbs and all that in there
1: because this is more than just the person that is suffering from diabetes it's also the family that they are a part of and the fact that for example in my situation my mother is creating the plates for my father so she needs to be in the know of exactly right. what to do and how to prepare the foods this is much yep. bigger than yep. just the issue of the particular disease state and the person suffering from it oh yeah how do you engage with the person who is dealing with the condition but then i, I you take like a kind of whole picture view of the situation too you see the setup with their how they eat, what their process is, how they make decisions. What sort of advice would you give
2: to somebody who was – just diagnosed, let's say, with the diabetes two. So, somebody who's just diagnosed, really, I recommend seeing, getting like a good team together. That's really number one step. So, having your physician and then having a registered dietitian, and they're actually registered dietitians who are also certified diabetes educators or CDEs. Mm-hmm. So, you can go find them. Insurance will right. take that for because it's considered a disease state. So, insurance is covered. Um, usually, depends on the dietitian, but you can find people who are certainly covered once you do that then the family should be involved whoever's involved with it can go in and actually talk to the dietitian and talk about how to go food shopping and what to make because a lot of the dishes in the cookbook I fed my family I fed it to my boyfriend right. you know they're just as delicious you just have to make sure for the you know a diabetic individual that a, the way it is that create your plate so half the plate is non-starchy vegetables a quarter of the plate is lean protein and a quarter of the plate that is your, your carbs. It could be potatoes, it could be corn, or it could be, which I recommend also whole grains because you want, you know, fiber in there.
1: And this is a good move generally. This is a cookbook that is useful across the board.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole family can enjoy it. Absolutely. You
0: know, as a researcher, I actually think our carb recommendations are too high. You know, we say 45 to 65% of your, um, Calories as carbs, Uh but I actually think that's a little bit too high. I I mean, I think it's more in the like thirty-five to forty-five percent range. I mean, I I think one of the problems in the U.S. is our recommended intakes for nutrients have not been updated since the late nineties, and I think that's a big issue for us. And you know, you you, whole grains are one thing, um, but refined grains are another thing because they're converted directly into sugar by your body. So. I agree. I think it's really an issue all around.
1: So we just have a few minutes left, and you have given us so much information and food for thought. No pun intended. <laughs> that was such a bad question. oh my god. I love, love this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, why don't you? What would you? What is it that you get? Because you do so much television. You do a lot of. You have been out and putting yourself out there and getting a lot of public uh, feedback for the work that you've done. So what do you hear? What is it that, in terms of misconceptions? you find that you're regular, regularly correcting and you would like to see corrected
2: for our audience. Oh, there are a lot of food misconceptions um, in terms of agriculture, in terms of sustainability. That there are a ton of them that I, I, I'm always writing about.
1: Crap, I brought this up in like three minutes. I know, yeah, <laughs> I, know I know. She's, <laughs> She's preaching, preaching
0: to the ha- choir I'm gonna now. I'm just going to back. sit back, and, yeah, sit back so, and raise my hands up.
2: Yep. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I've done and... Um, uh, Taylor, have you been with me on farm t- on any farm tours? Like I go, I get invited. Yeah. Like I'm lucky enough because I talk about this so much. Yeah, I remember
0: one of the first times we met was on the beef. Uh, farm. Yeah, yeah, in uh, Colorado. Yeah, was it Colorado or Aspen? Aspen. Aspen. Aspen? Yeah. Yeah, one that was them. such a beautiful it trip. It was so pretty.
2: So yeah, so it, it, we're just lucky enough that I've been on like 50 or 60 farm tours that. Um, They're mainly sponsored, but they fly you out and then they, they explain everything from literally the farm to the table. And I think that's why I do it. So I can debunk a lot of these misconceptions about food. Right. What do you what would you say is kind of in your top three? Let's say. Mm. well the first thing that i said was remember with diabetics i'll just go back there diabetics a lot of people think they can go like on keto or intermittent fasting and like um diabetics they need to have carbs in their diet because it works with the glucose and that's super important Um, so that's one you know debunking it relating to what we talked about yeah Uh, um, no
1: that's super interesting since you brought up some of these diet fads what is it that you've seen in terms of people that had a high hopes that they could kind of just like okay so diabetics are a specific population but right. generally speaking some of these i mean people really believe that they can just kind of um pick up the keto diet pick up the what was the other one that you said intermittent fasting In- inter- intermittent fasting i can't even pronounce it you know i don't do it (laughs) you know know i've not tried to do something that i can work out every day it's okay (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) you did not look at me directly in the eyes when you said that it makes me think you don't believe me (laughs) but um so what are some of these what are some of these um diets that you've seen that you wish you could kind of coax people out of or is are they okay
2: No, I, there's a few that I'm okay with, like Mediterranean diet is more of a lifestyle. I actually grew up, um, Israel, my family's from Israel, so I actually grew up summers there and that's how we eat in the house. Um, so that I'm okay, but keto, oh, there's so many new products coming out that are keto based. If we had more time, we would go totally into that, but I'm not a keto fan and most people don't follow it properly. Right.
1: And then intermittent fasting, can you give us any insight there?
2: Yeah, intermittent fasting, there's two main ones. One is um, where you fast for 24 hours and then the rest of the few days in between, you eat a quarter of your calories, like 500 calories if you're on 2000 calorie diet. But if you're exercising every day, you cannot. it's not sustainable with 500 calories. So that's just right there is an issue I have. Um, the other type of intermittent fasting is when you have intervals of time that you eat. So let's say an eight hour window between, what is it, like 10 and do the math. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 11, right. 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. This is happy hour. Eat. We can do that yeah. during That's happy why I'm using hour. my I'm fingers. already a couple glasses of wine in. <laughs> so you eat for like your period of time. You know, it's eight hours of the day. And to me, again, that's an issue, especially like a diabetic. They need to have, especially if they're on certain medications, they need to have, you know, 15, right. 30, 45 grams of carbs at that time. Right. So it could be actually dangerous for certain populations.
0: Right. I completely agree. I, and, you know, any of those fad diets, they always fail. They never work. I mean, you might lose a little bit of weight in the short term, but in the long term, it never works.
1: Yes, we've definitely learned that from you, Taylor. And it's such a privilege to actually have as a co-host, somebody who understands this space. Despite that, I'm gaining weight. So I'm just going to point my finger at you for that. There's (laughs) There's
2: <laughs> clearly no other explanation. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: Well, how many cookbooks do you have now?
2: I have um so 4 plus 2 are coming out and I'm working on two for next year.
0: So, I mean, your daughter should be like a pro at this by she now. Is. I mean, you've got she so is. many Wall Street Journal best-selling uh, cookbooks, honey. Oh, <laughs> honey. keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay, well, that's all for the day that's a wrap for today have ideas for the show tweet us at dr taylor wallace that's d-r-t-a-y-l-o-r-w-a-l-l-a-c-e and at shetha c that's s-w-e-t-a-c Thank you for tuning in to Risky Behavior. Until next time.